Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Corey Haynes, Head of Growth at Bear Metrics. In this episode, we talked about the dirty little secret most companies have when it comes to their customer churn rate, what Dunning is and why it's important for any SaaS company to monitor, and the most common reasons for delinquent churn. We also discussed how to collect honest feedback from churning customers, how to recruit the right interviewee for customer research, and how to figure out the most meaningful feedback while ignoring the noise. Corey also shared some insights about Baymetric's internal processes, including how he goes about balancing new customer acquisition with preventing existing customers from churning, and who owns churn and retention at Baymetrics. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks so much. It's great to have you, Corey. Uh, for the listeners, Corey's the head of growth at Bear Metrics, and Bear Metrics provide metrics, dunning, and engagement tools for SaaS and subscription businesses. Prior to Bear Metrics, Corey was the content marketing manager at Cordial. So my first question for you, Corey, is working directly with subscription metrics and data now at Bear Metrics, what has been the most surprising thing you've learned about the subscription economy since joining? Hmm. Uh, I would have to say, actually, you know, I, I have some in, the inside scoop on a lot of startups and a lot of businesses, uh, given the nature of Bear Metrics and uh, being able to work with and kind of consult with a lot of these companies. Um, and ironically, I mean, I think it's really good context for this show, but churn is sort of like the dirty secret in the industry. And I don't think anyone is really proud of their numbers per se. Uh, and I think it's definitely surprising, you know, how much companies struggle with it still. Uh, I mean, just the, the lack of, um, real knowledge around it and, uh, and sometimes even like a focus on it too. Um, and so one of the most surprising things is just being, being able to see and consult with, you know, what people are, people are actually going through and actually dealing with and, and the numbers that they're actually seeing, you know, on, on the, on the front, you can kind of see a company's persona as being super successful, hyper growth, you know, or at least like kind of, uh, profitable and steady. In reality, they have customers leaving in reality, they're, they're frustrated and, and they're, they're confused as to why things are happening. Um, and so it's, it's an ongoing uh, struggle and battle for churn. 
Yeah, I think it must be a very interesting viewpoint to be able to see this because like you say, like definitely you can see a lot of companies from the surface level look successful. And I think that's a lot of the time as well. Like uh, some of these companies, you hear some massive rounds being funded and then shortly after sort of crash and burn. Uh, and it's because one of those things like churn is, is often easily masked and it's often not understood. So uh, you end up getting uh, into a lot of trouble further down the line. Um, so when it comes to Biometrics itself, uh, maybe you want to just give us a little bit of an overview as well of like uh, how you help companies with their subscription metrics, stunning and engagement. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Biometrics started uh, about five years ago now, I believe. Yeah, just over five years ago. Um, and so essentially what we provide is metrics and what we call like revenue analytics for SaaS and subscription companies, um, as well as now we're, we're building more tools to be able to not only see what the data is and, and know what to focus on, um, but also be able to actually act on it and actually do something about the things that you're seeing in your metrics and in your analytics. So uh, we have our core metrics tool, and then we have uh, what we call a Dunning tool, which gives you um, tools to be able to reduce failed charges and uh, what we call delinquent or involuntary churn, as well as a tool to engage and learn more about why your customers are canceling and try to win something back to you. Um, and so, at the core, it's like an analytics tool about moving towards building more tools to be able to uh, act on those analytics as well. I like that because like more often than not as well, like analytics just give you the picture, but actually giving you like the so what and being able to act on that, it's super important. Uh, right. You mentioned Dunning and it's definitely a topic that's come up in the podcast, but uh, obviously like working closely on your side and actually having a tool uh, to do it. Maybe you want to talk us through the concept uh, and why like uh, you've built a tool for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, that's also one of the surprising things that you'll learn is that not everyone knows what it is or they have different names or words for it. Uh, or maybe they have different types of processes. Uh, it's still surprisingly a very, um, I would say like a, a green kind of practice. It's, it's not very well adopted or well understood. Um, but essentially what Dunning is, is it's the practice of when, especially with a subscription tool, uh, when a credit card expires, um, when a bank declines, when, a, uh, when there's insufficient funds, um, maybe even there's just some sort of like glitch or it was just unsuccessfully tried. And then now that month's payment or that year's payment has been unsuccessful and the customer not, might not even know that, right? Most of the time it's unintentional. They're not, you know, switching and churning out cards uh, all the time. There are some of those, and which is an, another, another story for another time. Yeah. Um, but you need a process around being able to communicate with those customers and tell them, hey, there's been an issue. Uh, you need to be able to communicate multiple different avenues in different ways, depending on what type of business uh, you have and the customers um, that you're, you're marketing to and, and you have in your customer base. Um, and basically provide them a really easy, low friction as possible way to be able to go update their, uh, their payment method to a new method or to be able to kind of figure it out on their side and, you know, add new funds, um, switch it out or, you know, call their bank and whitelist, uh, whitelist your, your service, right? Um, so that way it's successfully charged the next time. Yeah. Uh, and then what are some of like the typical um, like reasons that you see for like this delinquent churn? What would you say is the most common out of all of them? Yeah, well, for actual the actual delinquent churn itself, most of the time customers are just not being communicated with. And uh, especially for a tool, maybe that's not used on like a daily or weekly basis. And you kind of just check in here and there and, and just go about your business without really like spending a lot of time in the tool. Someone might not know that they're, uh, that their charge was unsuccessful 
And so they go to log in one day and then they've been blocked or they've, they're, they see a paywall and they're confused as to what's happening. Um, yeah. So most of the time people churn out just because they're like, oh, interesting, I guess something was wrong. So I have to go find something new, which is very unfortunate because it's completely preventable. Um, but otherwise, some of the other more common reasons uh, are just mostly that um, there's insufficient funds or that the credit card has expired. You know, businesses obviously go through a lot of different payment methods and different uh, financial strategies, right, to be able to make the most of their cash flow. And so there might be an old card on file or they might just need to um, update it to a new one or maybe they, you know, they moved over to a new one and they haven't updated it across the board, which is understandable because it's a lot of work. Um, and so in that case, you just need to be able to, um, to do that in a timely manner, especially, and do it in a way also that doesn't bug the customer. So that way, even if they do see it, you know, they're not like, okay, cool, I'm just going to move to something else. Or this is a good excuse, right, to, to move on to the thing we've been looking at over here uh, for a few months now. Yeah, and, and I think as well, like you mentioned, like a credit card expiries or card expiries and looking at maybe like average card being around two years, it's almost inevitable that uh, your users are going to hit this point at some point in their lifetime. So having right. a service that sort of preempts that. So I'm assuming as well that with through the dining system, you're also able to preempt uh, credit card expiries and they're notifying customers, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, especially when someone has a more manual process or, or system that they've set up, uh, either they, they've hired someone or they've outsourced it in some way. Uh, most of the time what we see is that it's just not happening in time. And so you have someone maybe at the end of the week or at the end of the month who's going through the accounts and seeing who's late on their payment or whose you know card was tried unsuccessfully and they're reaching out. But the problem is that a lot of times it's just too late. Uh, and especially it's not happening preemptively. And so it's just, you're just leaving a lot of money on the table, essentially. Yeah. And when you say leaving a lot of money on the table, like what is uh, the typical sort of percentage of churn due to delinquent churn that you see with uh, customers at Biometrics? Yeah, it, it really just depends on one, uh, their overall churn rate, obviously, but also on sort of the ARPU and the business model uh, in general, you know, usually with the lower subscription price, maybe in like the single digits or, or low double digits, uh, you're going to see a lot more often, right? Because they're probably like a, prosumer or even like a consumer type app uh, where someone maybe has a lot of credit cards or even just in general, you know, a lower ARPU uh, is just going to see a higher churn rate overall. In that case, you might see anywhere from like the, you know, five to 15% range sometimes. Um, otherwise with a business, maybe with a, a more B2B kind of, you know, triple digit uh, subscription price, um, it can, it's not as high, uh, but it's still very considerable, you know, still sometimes in the, in the 10% range. Um, but it really just depends. I couldn't, I couldn't give you like a, a solid range there. Makes sense. Yeah. But it definitely is, is quite a big chunk of change on the table uh, for something that's like, as you say, easily preventable as well with the right measures. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about measures and uh, as head of growth, like from your side um, at Bear Metrics, like what are some of the things that you're doing uh, when looking at churn and retention uh, for Bear Metrics and for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we have the, the good opportunity to kind of dog food our own products. So one of the things that we do, obviously, is we have the, the full dunning tool uh, in service. So we have the drip uh, email campaigns, we have in-app reminders, we have a hosted credit card form that sends people directly to that we would not have to worry about, you know, forcing them to find the different settings panel and the, the billing and then going to update their credit card. Just you can do it all there in one place. Um, but then the other, on the other side, on the voluntary churn, and sort of the traditional sense of the word. Um, we have another tool called Cancellation Insights, which essentially acts as like a exit survey. And so when someone clicks the cancel button, they're served a small form, they can choose a reason. 
maybe even give us some additional context. Uh, and that allows us to really get some solid data on one, what the reasons are. And so, you know, we have some that, that we kind of uh, allow to be selectable, but then we can also choose other and then they can add in their own reason essentially. Um, so we're constantly monitoring, you know, what are the reasons? And then also what's the revenue associated with each of those reasons? So which reasons are the most costliest essentially? Um, so we'll have that going on on an ongoing basis, you know, on like a three to six month range. We'll also be looking on a monthly basis, um, but really we're just, we're just trying to understand um, essentially what's noise and what we should be listening to. I think that's one of the biggest things for us and for a lot of other SaaS companies is that you have to learn what you're going to be okay with people churning and what you're not going to be, you know, what, what is very preventable or what do you want to work to decrease? You know, it's, it's hard because, um, especially when someone churns or when they, when they cancel, uh, to get a good reason out of them, you really have to do it in the process of them canceling. And you have yeah. to do it in a way where they're, where they're open to being honest, where they feel comfortable with giving you a very candid answer. Um, so for example, a lot of times when you reach back out to someone later on, maybe send them a personal email and you say, Hey, you know, I saw that you unsubscribed or that you canceled, you know, from one business to another, we just love to learn more about why you canceled. Um, they might give you maybe an excuse or a cop out like, uh, Hey, it was someone else on the team or it's too expensive or uh, it just doesn't meet our needs or this, you know, this ginormous big missing feature when in reality they just, you know, got a better price from a competitor or they just weren't happy with it or something else. Um, so you really have to learn to, to, to provide the right context for someone to give you that feedback, but also really dig in to understand what it actually is. Um, you know, so we kind of break down each one of those reasons. Uh, two of the most common ones that we see all the time, even for ourselves, is that it was too expensive or that they're switching to another tool. And so for each one of those, you kind of want to look at it with the right frame of mind and say, okay, why is it too expensive? Is it really too expensive? Is that just an excuse, as I mentioned before? Um, or is it that they just weren't seeing the full value out of the product? Um, were they uh, receiving some sort of discount from a competitor, uh, maybe for the, for the switching to another tool? You know, what is it about that other tool that made them want to switch? When did they realize that, they, that you know, your tool wasn't, uh, wasn't doing it for them? Or, or uh, was the moment that they realized that you know, they wanted to switch to something else, that there was something else better out there uh, for them? And so um, once you understand the context and what those things are, not just taking about face value, then you can start to work towards a plan and say, okay, we're going to focus on this one thing. Maybe it's too expensive. We're going to relook at our, our pricing structure. Uh, we're going to look at our promotions that are going on. We're going to look at the acquisition channels and seeing, you know, are these really the right people that we're bringing in uh, and then take it from there. Interesting. And this you have as a tool like at exit. Uh, so if somebody churns, how, how does it work exactly? And then, so how are you getting to those deeper insights? So like hundred percent agree, like at the surface level, people just give you blank answers, but, what is your process for digging deeper and collecting this feedback? Yeah, so we built the tool to one scratch our own itch, but also because we just found that it freaking works and it's also really hard to implement. Um, a lot of companies, especially, you know, they have a small dev team, uh, small SaaS startups, you, you only have so many resources, so much time. And so sometimes it comes down to like, you know, we can use a month to build out a really cool new feature or we can uh, build, you know, spend a month fixing up these things or, or fixing bugs, or we can spend it building this custom tool to get feedback from our customers, which is really important, but at the same time, maybe not so important or so urgent as these other things. Um, and so we wanted to make it a very turnkey tool that you can just, uh, you know, basically get a small piece of embeddable code. You embed it, you can test it for you, and then you essentially just push it live. And then now you don't have to worry about anything else. We just start collecting the data, 
it works for you and you can click go. Now, how it works is when it's embedded, when someone goes into your tool and they click the cancel button, then before that's actually triggered to, you know, to Stripe or to whatever other payment processor you have, whatever subscription management tool that you use, we're going to pop up a little form inside of your tool that's going to say, hey, sorry to see you go. Would you mind giving us, uh, you know, really quick feedback on why you're canceling? Please select a reason that, you know, best represents the reason why you're leaving. And they can select one of those reasons. You can, you know, basically choose which uh, reasons you want to present. And then if they click other, you can also add in a little comment box that will allow them to give some additional context. Um, and then once they click, and then they click cancel, and then now we send that over to uh, that event over to Stripe, whatever subscription management tool you use, um, and it's collected. Now after that, one of the other things that we do is we automate some personalized emails back to the customer based on the reason why they said they canceled. And so for anyone who said it was too expensive, well then, you know, 30 minutes after that, send them an email and say, hey, we saw that you said it was too expensive. You know, we'd love to dig into this more and learn more about, you know, what price would, would be uh, would, would be worth it for you, or what price would work for you. Um, you know, feel free to be as detailed as possible. You know, we'd just love to have your feedback. Um, so we get a pretty good response rate on that. And that allows us to, one, start the conversation so we don't have to do that manually. Um, but two, it also opens the door for them. Now that they're already canceled, you know, now that you, they, the door is open for them to say, hey, look, let's just be honest, put it on the door. You're not going to hurt our feelings. This is just, just to help us become a better business and build better products. You know, just tell us everything that you want to. You know, yeah. the door is wide open. Um, and then now we have a conversation started where we can dig into more details. We can respond, go back and forth and really get down to the bottom of it. Yeah. And then uh, I imagine as well, like because this is tied back to the subscription metrics, you can also give a viewpoint in terms of like the different feedback that comes through what, how, like what sort of weight you should be giving to it based on how big the customer was or what segment they were. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to show you um, which reasons are most common in the time period you have selected. And we're also going to show you the revenue associated to each one of those. Um, and so that really allows you to kind of prioritize and see that we don't have to go, you know, do any pivot tables, do any crunching of numbers. You have it right in front of you, you know, where to prioritize and where to look into um, the most. Yep. Not all feedback is equal. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things we learned too, like just because a customer is screaming the loudest or is leaving you the angriest message doesn't mean that it's the most important thing to focus on. Um, we always try to level it up to like a pattern or a trend across the customer base. So sometimes you'll see like an uptake in, in churn and they'll all be for the same reason. You're just like, Oh my gosh, this is a really urgent thing. But then after two weeks, you might not get that again for like a year. And instead of spending all your time, building that feature or changing our price or really digging in and looking into this one thing, give it a little bit of time and see if it keeps recurring. And then if it, it then if it does, then you can kind of justify the time and effort to really dig into it. Uh, but sometimes you just might have a fluke or something else that kind of grabs your attention and you really want to be careful who you're listening to and what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's important not to just to jump on every bit of piece of feedback you get. And I like that too, you're saying like follow and see when you see trends and spot those and act on those rather. So talking about acting as well, like what we've talked about now is pretty reactive when it comes to tackling churn itself and uh, trying to like, uh, look at uh, retention. Uh, what are some of the things that you're doing sort of proactively trying to prevent churn before it gets to the point where either they've uh, canceled their card or um, they've canceled a subscription? Yeah, I mean, preemptively, uh, it's... Right, churn is just a part of the game. It's just um, it's just going to be a, kind of a feedback loop for you. So, 
preemptively, there's <clears throat> all sorts of things. Really, honestly, especially with the SaaS kind of model for business, um, churn is just part of, uh, it's just one of those feedback loops and it's gonna level up to a lot of the other things that are going on in the business. So it could have very much to do with the market that you're targeting, right? It could be completely related to um, who it is that you're actually going after. It's entirely possible, I talk about this all the time, it's entirely possible that you're targeting the completely wrong type of customer or wrong type of business. And the fact is maybe that if you wanna see a churn rate of you know 9% or in single digits, that you just need to find other people or other types of businesses because they're not gonna be a good fit for you. They're just gonna churn and burn out. Um, another part of that too is the product. And so I think that uh, it's, it's sort of obvious and maybe it's a little bit understated, but there's a lot that goes into what makes a great product. And especially with uh, so many tools out there today in the SaaS space, you have to be so intentional about building the right features for the right market at the right time and making sure that you're not just, again, listening to the, the loudest customers or the customers that are screaming the loudest or some kind of thing that just popped up, right? That you're really building intentionally. You're fixing the bugs, you're building the features that people want and will pay for. And you're continuing to iterate and evolve past just uh, what you were doing maybe a year ago when they first subscribed with you, but you're continuing to listen to them and build what they want in the future as well. Um, I think that's a big part of like, you know, one, what attracts someone to your business in the first place, but really what keeps someone with you is if you can time after time prove to them that you're with them for the, that the, for the long haul, that when they subscribe to you, that they're, they're not just getting what you are going to give them today, that you're also going to provide for them what they're going to get in a year from now, right? You're going to give them an entirely new tool. You're going to continue to build on that tool. You're going to continue to increase the value that you provide for them over time. Um, another part of that too is the model. You know, I think uh, sometimes, especially as marketers and as salespeople, uh, we might want to kind of make it as easy or as low friction as possible to get in the tool or to, or to subscribe or to sign up. Um, but that can also work against you in, in, your, in your favor. You might have a really high conversion rate, but you also might have a higher churn rate. Conversely, you could have a lower conversion rate and a lower churn rate. So you kind of have to, 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 to pick your battles sometimes because um, just because you, you have a really low friction onboarding doesn't mean that you're attracting the right customers who are, who are with you for the long haul. Um, yeah. and another, uh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, just let me stop you there quickly as well because I, I think like as your role's head of growth as well, like uh, part and parcel it's to drive acquisition and bring in new customers and then the other part is essentially trying to retain uh, customers. But how do you strike a balance between the two? Because it's definitely an interesting concept of like uh, adding versus removing friction during the onboarding process and ensuring you get uh, a right velocity. Like what are some of your methodologies when going about thinking about this challenge and striking the right balance between uh, driving conversions and uh, thinking about retention and its impacts on adding friction to onboarding? Yeah, I, I really think it comes down to the way that you position yourself and who exactly you're trying to target. So there's always a temptation to generalize and broaden uh, your services and, and offerings over time. Um, but that's also a huge mistake because uh, one, it, it opens the door to a lot, a lot more noise in general, but two, it makes your product less effective and less tailored to the people maybe you originally set out to, to serve, or maybe the, the customer that you're best suited to serve. Um, so with attracting, you want to make sure that you know, you have a really great promise, but also that that promise only applies to the people that you really want. If you have a, a, you know, a really great promise that just applies to everyone, 
you're going to attract a lot of people, but it might not actually be, be fit for everyone. Um, yeah. And so the, the way that you position yourself, the message that you, that you attract people with, um, the things that you're kind of drawing people in with your product, um, then that's the thing that you're, you're, you're going to continue to promise uh, with your customers because once they get in the door, like I said, they might have a really easy onboarding, might have a great promise, but then when they actually get in the product, they realize, hey, actually this isn't really kind of what it is or they had this, this idea in their head of what it was going to be like and now it's a completely different experience or maybe it's not as great as they thought it was. And now you're just leaving yourself open to, to that churn. And so I think really getting very targeted, getting very specific, having really strong positioning in yourself so that people know exactly how to think of you and what box to place you in. You know, I've been a big fan of uh, April Dunford and all of her work on positioning with her book. Uh, obviously awesome. Highly recommend it. It's super practical, probably like the most step-by-step -step practical book I've read in a long time. Um, it really goes to show the power of attracting the right people. And now that you have those right people, you're going to retain them because you're, you're tailoring your product specifically for them and not just for anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we had actually had April on the show previously and it really is like that first step of nailing like who you're going after and making sure that you're communicating effectively to them, like saves you a lot of headaches and pains further down the line in terms of hours wasted and, it goes back as well, I guess, as well to your point on feedback and not all feedback is equal. So uh, if you have a misalignment in terms of your uh, positioning and in terms of your target audience, the feedback that you're collecting as well is also misaligned. Uh, so absolutely mm -hmm. nailing that first step is, is really, really, really critical. Um, next question I have uh, then uh, for you, Corey, is like within your company now, so uh, how big is... Uh, Biometrics, what's the size of the team? Yeah, we're a lean, strong team of eight right now, fully remote. Wow, yeah. I was surprised as well to hear that earlier when we chatted. So uh, from, I think from the outside, you guys have done a fantastic job on your branding and uh, like really come across as uh, the tool as well itself is super, looks super polished at least. Um, I'm interested like at your size now with eight people and uh, growing quite fast, like who... It, within your organization is really paying attention to churn and uh, like if there is an area of ownership, who would you say owns it? Yeah, it's a good question because um, really it, this could be completely unique to bare metrics, but we have a very like um, kind of one team, one department mentality of we all do customer support. We're all very focused on the metrics. Um, I think especially because, you know, we have the metrics in front of us every day. That's our bread and butter. That's what we do. We're all paying very close attention to it. And we're sort of, you know, see ourselves all as experts in the metrics and, and how to look at it and how to, and how to see that feedback. Um, so there isn't really one person that's, you know, solely responsible for it. Uh, we have our customer success lead, Erin, who obviously has a little bit more skin in the game and that's um, more specifically her job, but all of us do support. We're all very intentional about it. Um, we all have a, an agreement and a system where we all do support and, uh, and even answer tickets together. So uh, really, it's all of us. It's all of you. Uh, and then in terms of sort of alignment, uh, would you say like uh, churn or retention is like one of the key metrics that you align yourselves behind as an org? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably, it's right there with, um, you know, uh, MRR, churn rate, uh, I would say our average rating per user, and then consequently, uh, Lifetime value, which is a product of each of those, are probably like the four that we pay the most attention to. Um, obviously, there's a lot more in there, a lot more depth into each one of those, um, but it's definitely one of the top ones that we pay attention to. 
Cool. Uh, so next question then is like, I want to throw you into a hypothetical scenario now. Um, and with it. your background and experience, like, let's say uh, you move to a new company, you get a new job and uh, you arrive and you see that like churn and retention is really not great at this company. Uh, and you've now been tasked uh, by the company to try and help turn things around. Uh, what would be some of the first things you'd want to do in your first three months there to try and uh, drop that uh, churn rate and increase retention? Yeah, great question. I love it because this is the exact process I went through just about a year ago when I started with Bear Metrics. Um, I actually gave a talk about it too with uh, Forget the Funnel. But the very first thing that I always do and basically where I start with every single one of our customers and companies that I consult with is to start with customer research. Um, and by customer research, I don't mean just looking through the product analytics or kind of looking through the industry benchmarks and, and reports. I mean, literally getting on the phone with 10 to 20 of your best customers, talking with them in depth for, you know, 15, 30, sometimes even 45 minutes and asking them, you know, very pointed, very specific questions, but not in a, in a very like interviewee kind of way, more as a, as a, ca a casual conversation. That way they have the kind of freedom and, uh, and, uh, and comfortability to answer very honestly and, and candidly to give the feedback that you need. Um, and so I have a list of probably 10 to 15 questions that I that rely on the most, but absolutely start with customer research um, and really get to the bottom of, you know, what makes these customers our best customers. What are one or two of those yeah. questions that you ask? You've got to go to. Um, so what would one or two of those typical questions you'd like to ask in an interview? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm also a really big fan of the jobs to be done framework. So normally where I'll start is kind of how they first found their metrics. So I'll ask a question like, you know, hey, can you take me back to when you first started using Bear Metrics? How did you find us? Where are we at as a business? And what were you looking to get out of Bear Metrics as a tool? Um, yeah. And that'll give me some good insight into where they started, their frame of mind, um, but also kind of how they looked for us, which is also very interesting. One of the second questions I'll ask is, um, what were you using before? Or, you know, why couldn't you go without us, essentially? Because that really gets down to the promise and the value of the tool. Um, and then one of my favorite questions also is, you know, who else did you evaluate or why did you ultimately decide to go with us? What were some of the ways that um, these other tools were good for you or maybe, you know, fell short for you? Yeah. Um, and then usually towards the end, I'll get to, you know, hey, what's, what's the primary benefit of Bearmetrics or and or your product? Um, and how can we make it better for you? And what are the things that you would love to see? If you could make one bet, for example, you know, what would, what would be one thing you really want to see in Bearmetrics that we can build for you? Um, and that really gets down to if they had to choose one thing, you know, hey, what, what is it? And, and what would you make us, uh, you know, uh, keep accountable to? Make unstoppable. Yeah. And, and this would be typically then with uh, some of your more successful customers that you'd want to interview at this stage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the customers who have the highest uh, lifetime value with you, maybe who are some of the larger accounts who have been with you for the longest, um, or maybe even like, one of the things I love to do and that I did with uh, Aaron, our customer success lead, is I just asked her, hey, who are some of your favorite customers? What makes them your, your favorite customers? Because that gets down to, you know, who's a good business to work with? You know, who uh, doesn't have a lot of support load? Um, who is very aligned with our vision and loves us for who we are, not just for the product that, that, we, that we provide? Um, and so that's usually the, the way I go about finding those people. Nice. Cool. So customer research, you've got that locked down. What's the next step? Yeah. And so conversely with uh, your best customers, I then try to go to some of the previous customers as well. Um, and one of the things I did early on that was super, I mean, actually far more successful than I ever thought um, was just going through all of our expired trials and all of our canceled customers 
and sending them a really simple message. I think it was like three lines. Uh, it was just like parametrics plus you. Uh, and then it was just like, hey, you know, I just started as the as a head of growth for, for Bearmetrics. Um, I'm looking to get some feedback on how we can become a better product and company overall. I just have one question for you. Uh, what can we do? Um, you know, what's one thing that we can do to become a no-brainer for you? Or how, do, how can we be, become a better product for you specifically? Um, and basically, I'm just opening the door for some of those conversations. If people reply, which they did, I think I had about an 80% open rate and about 50% reply rate. Uh, wow. and once they have a good conversation going, then I'll usually ask them to get on a video call, uh, after I kind of established some rapport and some trust there. And then I'll just ask them again, those same questions. Hey, how'd you find us? Where did we fall short? What are some of the things that were great for you? What are some of the things that we fell short for you? Um, and just really understand, you know, again, what are those kind of one top one to two to three things that we can do and build, uh, that's going to reduce churn. Nice. So you're getting it from both sides of the table then from successful customers, from customers that are left. Uh, and then you're compiling a list with this and that sort of would be your action list of what you'd want to get started cracking with and, and making changes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, once that kind of initial, uh, uh, blast is sent out to your most successful and also the churn customers, you know, then I would immediately set up uh, something like cancellation insights with bare metrics. That's going to be like, uh, an ongoing feedback loop of cancellation reasons and, and churn feedback. Uh, and then, you know, based on all of those kind of things, then you really can start to sit down and figure out a plan for how to address it. Yeah, I like that as well. So really just starting to get to the core of the problem before diving straight into any actions. And then when you're diving into actions, you're making sure that you're tackling what's most important to the right people. Um, can yeah, you, I mean, one yeah, of the, sir. if I can just add one more thing, one of the things I found uh, with a lot of our customers and with just companies in general is that customer research is like this secret, like startup cheat code, like all the most successful founders, repeat serial entrepreneurs, they all heavily rely, rely on it. And all the companies that are struggling, that are kind of flailing or have really high churn rate, don't use it at all. And it's like a very foreign or, or uncomfortable concept. Um, and so I basically started to categorize companies into like, one, there's the companies who use customer research and who know the things or, and who know where to look and, and um, what the things they need to do are. And then two, there are companies who guess. And companies who guess, uh, it's a very scary place to be in, you know, guessing or, or just building things for the sake of trying to reduce churn or, or changing things up in the sake of trying to. Guessing is a very bad business practice. Please do not guess. Customer research uh, completely gets you to, you know, an answer that you can be confident in, uh, at least much more than just, you know, plain guessing, which is what a lot of people do. Yeah, and I think it's one of the challenging things though is with customer research and customer sort of development to have it continuously going. I think like more often than not as well is like it's something that maybe is done in sporadic points in time or uh, it's done at the very beginning and something that then gets forgotten about. I know I've made and I've been guilty of this in the past. So I totally 100% echo that uh, the ones that are the ones that are really performing and have uh, super low churn rates is the ones that are always speaking to their customers and getting as close as possible to understanding their needs and their wants. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're running up on time now as well. So uh, last question I have for you today is, uh, what's something that's maybe a little bit unconventional or something that surprised you when you were going about trying to uh, tackle churn uh, at Metrics or the previous company that you found really interesting? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think to be honest, the, just the power and, um, 
maybe like reliability of just having really strong support. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, maybe as marketers and maybe just as customer success people too, it's really easy to want to jump to like what's the latest trick or hack or thing we can do that'll make a really big impact uh, or splash and, and really reduce trend. Like, like again, like we, before we started talking about there, people are always looking for that silver bullet or one thing they can do that's going to magically fix things. But having really strong support, really fast support, really helpful support always goes a long way. Um, one, it could completely save an account altogether. Two, it could at least delay uh, a churn so that people don't do it prematurely. Um, the most frustrating thing to me is when someone cancels and we've never had a support conversation with them. You know, they say that there's a technical issue or it was too expensive or that, you know, there's missing features. And it's like, okay, great. Like, I wish we would have talked about this beforehand. And now I'm trying to go and, and have a conversation with them after the fact. Um, but if you can have a conversation beforehand, really understand it, make your best effort to save them. Even if it doesn't work out, you know, you at least try to, you at least have the opportunity to. Um, but also I think support just uh, instills a very, um, a very good confidence and trust with your customers so that even if they don't have all the features they need, even if it's maybe a little bit pricey for them or expensive for, for their budget, that they at least stick with you because they know you and they trust you. Um, you know, Toby Lutke at uh, Shopify, maybe he wasn't the originator, originator of this, but he talks about this concept of a trust battery. And uh, every day your interactions with someone uh, either charges or uses the trust in their battery with you. It's kind of like social capital. Yeah. And support really increases, really charges the trust battery. And I think that the more you can do that, um, it's just one of those things that makes a huge difference long-term that you have to continue to pour into and, and, uh, and invest in. Absolutely. And I think more and more companies are like, uh, tackling onto this as well. I know like at Hotjar as well ourselves, uh, Diana, who's one of our support leads, introduced the concept of support-driven growth, uh, where it's about us being as proactive as possible to be supporting our customers and also helping to educate them. So traditionally, like things like onboarding or activation or uh, like feature adoption uh, is, is dealt by like maybe product marketing or customer success. But uh, now within our actual support team, we have this concept of support-driven growth where we're really trying to not only be super proactive in helping our customers and solving their needs and their problems, but also trying to actually help them achieve more through the tool and achieve more through the service. So uh, mm -hmm. I definitely see this and something we've heard as well previously as well. It's like one of the um, surprising things and it's uh, leaving me now who I discussed this with, but they actually found that uh, people contacting their support team was an indication of retention and not churn because it showed that the, the person cared enough uh, or the company cared enough to actually reach out to support. So having a super solid foundation there, I think like, as yeah. you say, it is, is really, really critical. Oh uh, yeah. I think um, if I can just have one more thing there, you know, marketers always spend so much time uh, with like CRO activities, you know, how many more people can we get to, uh, you know, convert from the landing page um, to, you know, increase the, from the on, onboarding flow, you're trying to fix places where people are, are falling off. Um, but support is one of those things where it's like retention optimization, right? Um, I guess that would be like RRO or something like that. But um, it's really one of those things that it's not going to make a huge difference, but over time it's the, the, the effects are going to compound. And it's one of those things where it's just going to make um, a difference long-term that's going to, that's going to add up and be a big difference over time. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Corey, thanks so much for joining the show today. I don't know if you want to let the audience know like how they can keep up with your work, if they want to follow, if there's anything you lost that you'd like to leave us with today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, for anyone interested or in need of uh, metrics and or help with their churn, um, I would love to personally meet with you. You can sign up for a trial at bearmetrics.com. Um, just chat in or you can email me at Corey at bearmetrics.com. Learn more about me, what I'm up to. I have several set, uh, side projects and things I'm working on um, just at coreyhaines.co.co um, and would love to connect on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining the show today, Corey. It really been great to have you and I wish you best of luck now going forward. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew, so much. Glad to be on. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.